morning, Westtown. I'm glad you have joined us this morning. Um, just want to say that, you know, next week we will be having uh, services. Um, and we understand if people don't feel comfortable, like, like I said in the video, I want you to feel comfortable coming here. But uh, for those of you that can and feel comfortable, um, we're definitely excited to see some, some real faces. I know I am. Uh, looking around here and not seeing anybody, it's, it's terrible. Um, but um, it's been cool to see God use uh, his word just go out, even on video for the past uh, eight to ten weeks. Um, as you just saw uh, and, and were reminded, we're looking at miracles and the power of Jesus. And um, as Morgan preached two weeks ago, uh, we, we talked about Jesus and his power over the storm. And then last week, we talked about uh, Jesus being over even the supernatural evil world, uh, the demonic world. That's a real thing. Um, but this week, we're going to look at Jesus being over a whole, a whole nother uh, dynamic. Um, and what we see in Mark is Jesus, uh, is Mark showing us the power of Jesus through these miracles. And he's trying to make a point to you and to me. Uh, do you trust in the sovereignty and the omnipotence of God? And if you do, what does that mean? And so um, we're going to finish out chapter 5 here. Um, and uh, we're, we're going to see, I think, some, some um, emphases that Mark gives us about the power of Jesus. And hopefully you'll be moved. Hopefully you'll be changed by God's word. We do believe by his spirit and his word, we are transformed. And that's why we're here. Um, so this is Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Um, yeah, starting at verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please, come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. Grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. We have two, two characters in this story, two real characters in this story, Jairus and this woman. I think both of them are examples of a crisis hitting and no longer can they have the luxury of just being curious about Jesus. And some of us have simply been curious about Jesus. Maybe you're watching and you're curious about him. But here's what happens when curiosity meet a crisis. What happens here? They're, um, they're just not curious anymore. They're desperate. This is a father pleading with Jesus for his daughter. And this is a woman who what? This is a woman who has this chronic illness. 
We don't know exactly. Well, we know she has been subject to bleeding for 12 years. So she's been ostracized. She's been seen as unclean for 12 years. Imagine that. What that would do to your family relationships, your friendships, your, your understanding of self. And this crisis has hit her chronically, right? And then there's this urgent, acute uh, issue. And both of them, they have to decide, what am I going to do with what? With these miracles that I've heard about Jesus performing. I've heard he speaks and the wind stops. The rain stops. I mean, the weather obeys him. I've heard that literally he took, you know, this demonic, uh, this demonic man, this demonic possession, and put those uh, the, the demons into what? The legion of demons into pigs. And they ran off a cliff. Jesus' reputation and what? Their crisis. They had to deal with what? They had to deal with, it, can I really have hope? Can I have hope in Jesus? Because we know very famously, if you've ever seen uh, the movie The Shawshank Redemption, this is Red and this is Morgan Freeman. I think we have a picture of him. And here's what Red says about hope. Red says, hope is a dangerous thing. Hope can drive a man insane. That's what we know hope can do. And he's very, very, it's, it's, it's a true statement. Faith in Jesus, we're not saying that's a safe thing. To place your faith and to believe in what you cannot see, to believe in that God has the future, it is a dangerous thing. And it can drive you insane. But remember, it's the thing that allowed Andy Dufresne, Tim Robbins, it allowed him to persevere through his time in prison. And ultimately, Andy Dufresne says this, says this hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. And so here what we have is Jesus' past miracles, plus this crisis, they are to what? They are to inspire us to have faith over fear. Do you have that truth in your life right now? That you are going to believe in the plan of Jesus over fear? That even in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of all the numbers that are coming out, maybe in the midst of uh, you know, the, the crises that you're going through right now, I know that's been used as a cliched statement. But here we see the miracle of Jesus, the past miracles of Jesus, him calming the storm, him you know, healing the demon-possessed man, plus this personal crisis. And you know what it did? It inspired a bleeding woman, an unclean woman, and a man who is not, I mean, he, all he knows is that literally his, his daughter is dying. Gave him, what, enough to say to Jesus, I'm going to have faith in you. I'm going to, what, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to trust in your plan. I want you to think about those two, those two the, the plight of both those people. Because here's Jairus, his daughter is dying. It is an acute need. And here is this woman with a chronic problem. And we come to verse 49. She reaches for uh, to touch Jesus, we just read, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. What happens in verse 29? Immediately, her bleeding stopped. 
and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? I want you to stop for a second. I don't want you to think about the woman here. I actually want you to think about Jairus. He has just told Jesus that the, the Greek is his daughter is present active tense dying. His daughter is dying. I mean, I can't even imagine that. And then you put, you say, okay, you know what? I know I'm this, I'm this uh, religious leader. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm going to get... I'm going to get away from all my pride and I'm going to ask this, you know, this healer, you know, I'm going to place my daughter's hand um, in this healer's, uh, you know, in, the, in his power. And what does he do here? There's a delay here. Imagine, you're the crowd. You've just said, okay, this, this, this daughter is dying. We've got to get to her. That's what you're thinking. And Jairus all of a sudden has this delay. What do you do? When you have an urgent need and you go to the Lord and Jesus says, hey, we're going to delay here. We're going to stop. I'm not going to do it. I know you think it's urgent. There's so many things in my life right now that I feel like they're urgent. And Jesus says, no, no, no. You know what I'm going to do? I know. If you were to triage this daughter versus this 12-year chronic issue, we would triage and put what? Put the daughter first. And Jesus all of a sudden says, no, no, no. You can't, what? When we trust in him, you know what you can't do to Jesus, he says? Through this action, you can't hurry him. You can't. And so what it does is it causes you to say, you know what, okay, you know what I feel? I feel like there's this urgency for my husband to change. I feel like there's this urgency for my kid to change, for, my, for, for me to have, what, a new job. And what do you do when he delays it? It seems illogical. In fact, in this case, it may be even, you could almost maybe accuse him. You know, someone better call Morgan and Morgan here, right? Because this is malpractice. You don't deal with this woman before you deal with a dying girl. You can't. And he says, no, no. You know what living in faith means? Trusting in my power? It means what? It means giving up your timing demands. Can you do that? Do you trust in, in the man, in the God, who has power over the winds and the rain and over demons to have uh, power over what? Your disease, over the coronavirus, over a bleeding woman, over a dying daughter. If you trust it, then you know what he asks you for even more? He says, look, this is going to require more. I think you're going to like ultimately what I do, but you know, I, I don't think you quite know what you were in for when you said, I'm going to place my trust in Jesus. And for many of us, that's why he says to us, I need you to count the costs. Because one of the costs of living in faith is giving up your timing demands. Can you do that? Jesus is saying, trust me. Trust me. Believe, right? Believe in me. Trust that my timing is the right time. Okay, so that's Jairus. He's going to have to trust that his urgency, right, and the, and the timing that he wants maybe isn't Jesus, and that Jesus is, and that's okay. 
Is it okay with me? Is it okay with me when we come back? We should have come back earlier or what happens to our church or whatever it may be. Are we okay with the timing of Jesus? Because his power is evident. He has just healed a bleeding woman. Verse 32. So here's a woman who just wants to touch the cloak of Jesus. He feels the power go out of him. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Now imagine that for a moment. He's looking around thinking, where did she go? Right? Imagine you're, you're, a, you're a woman and you want to be clean and you come to him and he heals you. And she leaves. Or she, you know, tries to, to hide in the crowd. How many times has Jesus met your need? And you say, okay, that's really what I'm here for. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. If you're in this, you're in this. I know you want to hide now because your, your need was met, but I want more for you. And I know you came to me, but I'm going to ask more than you thought um, I would ever. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and what? And fell at his feet. And what? And trembling with fear told him the whole truth. He said to her, remember there's a crowd around him. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering in front of a crowd. A woman who was ostracized was by herself, probably, you know, kind of slithered her, her way in, touched the end or the, the little edge of his garment, was healed, her faith in him. But now what is he saying? No, 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 no. This isn't about you being private. Here's what living in faith requires. I need you, right? to give up what? I need to give up your privacy demands. Many of us, we want to keep our religion, our faith with Christ, we want to keep it uh, very, very personal and individual and, and private. And particularly with this woman, he says, no, no, no. You're not going to just touch me and receive and use me as a vending machine. I've got more for you. You think it's just about healing and, and what he's saying to her. I want to utterly transform you i want you to be known right you were unclean and now you are clean not just physically but spiritually and you know what i want the world to see this i want you to fall in front of me fall at my feet right in front of this crowd and and proclaim what i have done you know what? Many times living in faith requires not only that we give up our timing demands, but that you give up your privacy demands. And in our world, especially in our little nook here in Tampa, Florida, many of us want to keep our religion very, very private. We want to only let um, God and myself and maybe my wife and my kids see my faith. And Jesus says, no. Hide it under a bushel? No, as we learned in Sunday school. I'm going to let it shine. You have been made clean. You are no longer ble uh, bleeding. You can go into what? Into society now and tell everybody what? This is what it means to live in faith. And there is freedom. I know you don't feel comfortable with it, but trust me. Trust that it's a full healing. It's a full transformation. It's not just this private thing. And many of us want to make it like that. Think 
about all uh, the, the different characters within the Bible. Jesus says, no, I need to use you, Peter. I know you've denied me and you feel shame. I need to use you. You go and you feed my sheep. Paul, I know what you've done. You used to be Saul and now you became Paul. I know what you've done. You've murdered Christians, but I, I'm not going to let that maintain this privacy. I want you to literally change Asia Minor. So he says, okay, please, trust me. Trust me not with just with timing and, and, and trust me with you know, privacy. Verse 35, what does he say? While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. And here is what they said. The, f- the worst fear of any parent. Here he is given his daughter's life for healing to Jesus. And you delayed with this woman. Now look what's happened. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother this teacher anymore? At this moment, what do you do? Jesus, the outcome that I want is healing. Right? That's what I'm in this for. And obviously that has not happened. At this moment, Jairus is required to give up. Living in faith requires you to give up what even your outcome demands. Jesus says, I want everything from you. Right? I want everything from you including your family, your kids, and trust me that I have good things for you. Can you do that? He says, just believe in me. And here's Jairus, and he's he's come to Jesus for healing. But like Jesus, here's what we know, that when you go to him, he says, you know what? You're gonna actually get more than you even thought you would get. But here's what, you're gonna be required to give more than you even thought possible. And Jairus, he is is, right in this moment has had to decide, I'm giving my daughter fully up to Jesus. Because he could throw a tantrum here. You know, I mean, there are all kinds of things he could have done here. And what, what, what happens? He's given up the outcome. Obviously, she cannot be healed. She's dead. So what happens? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, here it is, right? Do not be afraid. It's what the angels told the shepherds. It's what the angel told Mary. Do not be afraid. Do not let fear win. Do not trust in what your eyes see. You cannot trust your eyes. Just believe. So Jesus He did not let anyone follow him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, his closest three, his closest friends. I want you to come in. When they came to the home of the synagogue, so there isn't a crowd with them anymore, Jesus saw a commotion. And here we have people crying and wailing loudly. And we know in the ancient Near East in the first century that you had professional mourners And what they did was kind of like, it's almost like white noise. They would hire people and it would actually allow the family freedom to cry even louder because everyone else was crying. They wouldn't stand out so much. And so they would bring in these mourners and allow the family freedom to what? To to really mourn because you know what? They asked for a healing and Jesus didn't give a healing. He didn't. 
So they came to the home of Jairus, and they heard people crying and wailing. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. Who says that? Who says she's not dead? She is simply sleeping. And then as, obviously, the the response would be, uh, they laughed at him. You know, sometimes in our lives, Jesus, you ask for a healing in a certain area. Maybe you ask for healing. And uh, in, in your marriage or, or, or with a relationship, that's key. And you give it to him. And you say, this is my dream. This is what I want. This is what I'm asking. I'm trusting you with this. And in this occasion, you've got to allow him the outcome. And he allows it to die. That's what he did. He allowed this daughter to die. He does not heal this daughter. What do you do when Jesus says, no, I'm not going to give you the outcome you want. Obviously, I'm not giving you the timing. Obviously, I mean, particularly, there's no privacy here. But what happens in the next verse? He says, after he put them all out, he brings in Jairus and the mom. And I can't even imagine what they're experiencing. And there's James and John and Peter. And they went in where the child was. Now imagine this. Here's Jesus. He takes the girl by her hand and says to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. It's almost like if you have a a little um, kind of cute name for your daughter. You know, like I'll, I'll sometimes call my daughters Peanut, right? Peanut. Hey, Peanut, what's going on? It's like he said that. Hey, honey. Hey, Peanut. Like a dad. Like like the ultimate parent. Jesus holds this girl's hand and says to her, get up. And what happens? What Jairus wanted was a healing. And he had to give up everything. And what did he get? Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. You know, Jairus came for a healing, and what did Jesus give him? A resurrection. He asked him to give more than he could possibly imagine giving walking into a bedroom emotionally trying to then cope with losing a daughter and Jesus saw he was all in I, and I believe he got the most of, uh, of Jairus they could ever have gotten from him in that moment when he's there in the bedroom and when Jesus is holding his hand I believe he's looking at his father and he's saying you wanted a healing and I see what you give me I love it that you've given me everything Jairus now watch this I will resurrect your daughter. You know, sometimes we ask for healing in our marriage in ways, and what we need to, uh, what Jesus wants it to do is to actually die. Some, some things need to die so what? So that Jesus can make a new life. So that Jesus can kill an unhealthy relationship and raise through resurrection a new one. It all points to what Jesus is doing. What is he doing? He's reversing the effects of the fall of man. He's reversing the curse 
You think Jesus, what, has power just over the weather or power over demons? What does he have now? He has power over death. Jesus says to this girl, if I have you by the hand, even death itself is what? It's nothing but a what? A good night's sleep. That's what death is for us Christians. Even death itself can what? Can only make you better. If I have you by the hand, Jesus says to you, this is what my power is like. This is my power. And he says, Peanut, get up. And he pulls her right out of it. Right out of her sleep. Right out of the death. Gently. Because what we have here is what? We have a perfect, the ultimate parent. I mean, what, how, what did it mean to you growing up to hold your father's hand? What did it mean to you to, to hold your mother's hand? Even those of us that are outstanding parents and just compassionate and strong, you know what? Even all, all of us have, have our flaws and we can slip. We make wrong choices. Even the best parents do. We know that. But when you had your parents' hand, you felt that everything was okay. But here's the truth is you were wrong and I was wrong. Because Jesus is the ultimate parent who has us by his hand and he will bring us through any dark night. And to see that the Lord of the universe, the one who what? The one whose hands scattered the stars like seeds took me by the hand and said, Peanut, get up. Let me ask you a question to this type of parent. Would you want to hurry that parent and say, I want my timing over your, parent, over your timing? Would you do that? Would you, why would you not want to trust his outcome or her outcome? Why would you not want to declare their love publicly? That's what he's asking for. You say, well, but, but how can he do that? How can he hold us by our hand in spite, for some of us, of, of the many bad choices that you've made, in spite of how much you've messed up? Now, here's what he says. 2 Corinthians 13, 4 says this. Paul says, he was crucified in weakness, yet by God's power we will live. He became weak so that we could become strong. What did he do? What did Jesus do? He lost his own father's hand. He let go of the grasp of his father on the cross. And there's nothing more frightening than a child to lose the hand of a parent in the crowd or in the dark. You know that if you've ever lost a child or you've been that child. And he lost his father's hand on the cross and he died for us and he went into the tomb. So what? So that we, you and I, could be raised out of it. That's the point of this. That, that, we, that outside the camp he went so that, the, uh, that we as unclean could become clean. He lost his father's hand so that we could know that he will never, ever leave us. And he showed us that by forsaking his one and only son. Jesus knew that the only way to the crown was through the cross. The only way to resurrection was through death. The only way to power was through weakness. You know what? The delays that Jesus puts in your life, the uncomfortability that he calls out in your life for him teaches us that not only through our own weakness, 
and our own humility, but through his, that what? We can be made right. We can, be, we, can, we can be known and we can know the God of the universe. Here are two people. This father, this daughter. Right? That family has changed. And this woman, this unclean woman has been made clean, but ultimately so she could see the cleanliness of Jesus. Where are you? Are you allowing fear to overwhelm your faith? Let this passage reverse that. And your faith in a God whose timing may not be yours, who calls you out to be public with your faith, who says, trust me with the outcome, that he is good. We know he's not safe, but we know he is good. Where are you this morning? Please, take these miracles. Power over storm, power over demons now, power over death itself. It all points us to the great hope that we have one day. May we be a patient people that trust in the timing and the love and the power of Jesus. Let me pray, and uh, we will sing uh, once again to him.